Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host. And with me today, I've got a very special guest, and that's Mr. Nat Gordo. What do you want to know about the Red Sox? He's the man to go to. Welcome, Matt. How you doing, man? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. What is your handle with Twitter, bud? So on Twitter, I'm Boston Sports Gordo. You can find me at BOS Sports Gordo. There you go, boys and girls. And man, I love what you do. You you're not just about the Red Sox. I mean, you have you cover everything when it comes to Boston and that general area as far as sports. I know you're suffering through the Celtics right now, but that's okay because you got the Red Sox and they they look like they're doing well right now. They think look like they're moving up. Yeah, Sox are uh, they're overperforming a lot of people's expectations. I mean, obviously, you know the AL East is insanely competitive, so they've been in and out of last place. If you want to, if you want to go that route, they've been hovering around two to five, six games above 500 for a few weeks now. And they look like they can compete with anybody. I mean, they may not be groundbreakers, but they are giving us a a team to watch, like some watchable baseball this summer, which I think a lot of people didn't think would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Myself and others have been sitting back and being critical of the front office decisions, everything, looking at Mookie, looking at Xander, go back and all that. But, you know, when you look at the AL East, it is the AL beast because there's no other division that has everybody above 500. (laughs) And the good news is we get to share the bounty, if you will, across all of the MLB this year because of the balanced schedule. And I love it. I mean, you guys are are spending a lot of good time right now out there on the West Coast, and it's been an interesting week thus far. Yeah, I just finished up a series in San Diego against old friend Xander Bogarts. Uh, took two out of three there. They looked pretty good. You want to talk about issues with the front office and mistakes that they've made? Well, one of those mistakes definitely looks like giving $10 million to Corey Kluber, who has really not lived up to preseason expectations. He was a lot better for you guys last year than he's been for us this year and the biggest issue there has been the walks last year with tampa bay he was in the 99th percentile in walk rate and this year with the red Sox, he's somewhere in the 30s i think i might have seen 38th percentile today and that's a steep drop off when you are when your fastball is sitting 87 88 89 you got to be able to locate it and if you're not going to locate it you're going to put guys on base he allows a lot of hard contact especially when he leaves balls over the middle of the plate And it's cost him. And yesterday you walked three runners, three batters in the first inning and allowed four in the first. And it was that was that. So the Red Sox this year, pretty much they've been good in games where starting pitchers have been able to keep them somewhat competitive. They've taken steps to improving their rotation. Guys have gotten healthier and they moved Nick Pavetta to the bullpen. Corey Kluber will get at least one more start this coming Sunday, but we'll see what happens after that. Garrett Whitlock's coming back and they'll have six starters at that point. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, we got some late night games coming up this week. I know we got three in a row against the angels, all nine thirty-eight starts. So for all of us night owls, it'll, it'll be fun, but a lot of people don't like those. I I'm, I'm a rare breed. I like the West coast <laughs> games. <laughs> well, you can stay up. You're young. I'll yeah, watch exactly. them the next morning, dude. <laughs> no, I'm excited anytime we get out, out there, too. And my gosh, anytime you get to play the Angels, you can see some top talent with a pitcher like Otani, with Mike Trout. I mean, two legendary players right there. But I see you guys, you know, continue on with this. I, I've got to tell you, though, I was concerned 
when I saw, I mean, I'm always concerned with any team where the players leave, you wonder what they're going to do. And what was it? We had uh, Michael Walker, you had Rich Hill, and Nate Uvalde. And Nate's one of my favorite pitchers of all time anyway. So when I saw those three guys go, and especially Hill and Uvalde, I was like, how, how's this going to go? What are you going to be able to do? But, you know, and you've got a few injuries too. So what does that starting rotation look like? And what do you think is the impact of those guys going? Yeah, I mean, you you take a look at those three. And then I'll, I want to talk about another departure, not from this past year, but from two years ago, Eduardo Rodriguez. So the combination of those four guys, they've all pitched really, really well this year. But the Sox have still had some bright spots in the rotation. Chris Sale has really looked like himself for the better part of a month now. Like the velocities there, the sliders, he, like his location was which was brutal early on, is back. He's looking the part. I mean, the camera angle, when he was facing Juan Soto the other night, and he had two strikes on him, the Nesson camera panned to him, and he was angry and grunting on the mound, and then he proceeds <laughs> to blow 98 right by Soto's bat. He really did look the part there. Let him throw 110 pitches, two outings in a row. Like He looks the part, so he looks good. James Paxton has been a really pleasant surprise. He's only made two starts, but he's looked good in both of those starts. And they've seen some good things from Brian Bayo, who's kept runs off the board. He's been throwing five innings most starts. He's gotten up to six, but in his last, his ERA is in the high twos in his last four starts. Hasn't allowed more than a couple earned runs. He's got to get the walks down. He's He walked, I believe, five guys in his last start, but he hasn't pitched that well in cold weather. Just some kinks to work out. He's a young pitcher, but he looks really good. So those are three guys that, that you can really build off of. But after that, it's been Rocky Waters. Tanner Houck is a fascinating guy to watch because the first time through the order, he's quite literally better than anyone in the game. He doesn't, it's one, two, three innings, smooth sailing, easy every single time. His OPS against, I believe, is in the 300s, first time through the order. It's crazy. But as soon as you get to the second time, guys are hitting like 320, 330 off him. And third time through the order, it's even worse. They're trying to work things out with him. They're trying to get him to work on a couple of new pitches that you know he he got introduced to this year. It's been up and down, but his highs have been really high. It's it you feel like there's a good starter there. A lot of Red Sox Nation wants him to go to the bullpen because on the surface you see a guy who dominates for two, three innings and you think that's a reliever. And on the surface you'd be right. I my personal opinion is you build a guy up like that, you see the stuff is there. You try to approach every avenue to make that guy a good starter. Because if you can even remotely bring what he brings for the first couple innings into innings four through six, like you're going to have a really good starter there. It's just not development is not linear. These guys take time. So I personally like that they've kept him in the rotation, but I don't know how much longer he could remain there. If they choose to stick it out with Kluber, how would be the guy to go to the bullpen? And then they've got Garrett Whitlock coming back. He'll be the last guy in the rotation, hopefully, once once things get sorted out. And I'm really high on him as a starter. He's been up and down. I, I think he's got the stuff to do it, but we really haven't seen very much from him because every time he's had a shot in the rotation, he's gotten hurt. So this will be basically attempt number three at it. A lot of Sox Nation wants him in the bullpen, too, because we've seen what he can do out there. I think... The future is bright for Garrett Whitlock in the rotation as long as he can stay healthy. Obviously, that's a big if at this point. He hasn't to this point, but 
I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. I think he's going to be back either this weekend or shortly after this weekend. Well, I hope you're getting back sooner. There's no doubt. You, I know as being a Rays fan, I know what injuries can do when you're looking at some pitchers that are out right now. It's brutal. It is. I keep waiting for Glass now to come back. Uh, Rasmussen going down and wondering how soon Drew's going to be back. It could be 60 days. Could be, you never know. And that poor guy's had two Tommy Johns before all this. So there's a lot of injuries and there's the expectations of those bodies is so much. You think of what pitchers are throwing today compared to 20 years ago, the heat that's expected, the what their bodies are they're having to do is just seems so much more. And therefore, it seems like injuries tend to increase as well. But stepping away from pitching for a minute and another injury, I like this. You could cover this, I think, on your, what is that substack that you have, Beyond the Monster? Yeah, Beyond the Monster. They, they've got a really good group of guys there writing writing for them, and it's it's really started to take off. It it took off really in the offseason because Chris Henrik, who, who owns the page, really has taken a big step forward as a reporter. He's he's really killing it on the beat. So if you don't if you don't follow him yet, follow at Chris Henrik. H-E-N-R-I-Q-U-E. He's a really okay. good follow for all Red Sox fans. Well, I'll tell you, I was looking, I think you wrote the article on Duvall and Duran. <laughs> and I was like, what I, I saw Adam Duvall and I said he's injured. I said, Oh my gosh, man, such a critical player. But then tell me about the guy who came up, who stepped up. Oh, Jaron Duran has been such a bright spot. I mean, Adam Duvall is lighting the world on fire for maybe it might have only been like a week and a half. He had like a 1500 OPS, but going down for, for a sliding catch in Detroit goes down and breaks, breaks his wrist. He's targeting a June 9th return. We'll see if that actually happens. And a lot of Red Sox fans thought that was that for the season when he went down because they've already lost their best right handed bat with Trevor Story. Yeah. Your new best right handed bat goes down too. You really don't have that much right handed talent. But even though he's not right handed, Jaron Duran has come up and he's lighting the world on fire. This is a guy who was a consensus top 30 to 40 Major League Baseball prospect at his peak a couple of years ago. Came up and struggled in all facets of the game. He couldn't hit the high fastball. The book on him came out fairly quickly and he struggled at the plate and his defense, even though he's incredibly fast, he was learning center field on the go. He was he was an infielder when he first came into professional baseball. He was an infielder in college. So it, the center field defense was not good for two years in the bigs. But this year, he's in the high 80s for percentile and outs above average. He looks the part. His first step has gotten better. He looks more prepared before the pitch is thrown. And he's talked about that. And and the coaching staff has talked about how important that's been for him. And he's just a much more confident guy. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball since his call-up. If you look at the numbers, there's really no getting around it. Obviously. There's going to be some regression there because you can't just hit 350, 360 forever. <laughs> but he's lit the world on fire, and I'm making it my mission. I need to get him to the All-Star game in Seattle. If he gets to the All-Star game in Seattle, Rob Bradford, Odyssey Sports, at Bradfo, give him a follow too. Follow at the at Bradfo underscore show for the podcast. Uh, he, he will be sending me to the All-Star game if Jaron Duran makes it. So oh, wow. we got to get Jaron Duran to the All-Star game. Well, I'm excited about it from what I've seen and certainly what you've portrayed as well. 
So I was, you know, Duvall go out and there's concern. You see Trevor Story go out and there's concern. So I probably a lot of fans at the beginning think, oh my gosh, what the heck are we going to do this season? And while, you know, you're not, <laughs> there's not a winning percentage of 800. <laughs> no, nobody has that now, but there is a consistent, you know, growth. And even now starting out there with the Padres this week. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I loved it. Two of my favorite guys from t- all time, whether, you know, the Red Sox, Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. And, you know, those two, I looked at those almost like the way I looked at the Houston Astros with Altuve and Correa, two guys that were practically buddies on the field. They seem to have such great communication. So when Bogarts was no longer part of that equation, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure where things were going to go. I thought, oh, my gosh, who are these guys? He, this front office of the Red Sox not keeping Bogarts. And I thought, well, Heim Bloom is like a student or – uh, what I want to say, somebody from as far as learned from when he was with time with the Rays. And the Rays usually trade when somebody's almost starting to decline. You know, they, they've come up here and they see, I don't know that they'll be able to repeat that next year. So I was a little concerned seeing Bogarts go. And, you know, you look at comparisons, Bogarts has got, what, maybe he's four years older, I believe, than uh, Devers. So even if you're looking at long-term contract, because I think both of them got 11-year contracts. Devers got 11 years with the Red Sox, and then, of course, Bogarts with uh, with the Padres. And Bogarts, he's not been Bogarts of old this year. He's the Padres. He's suffering. I mean, the whole time that he faced you guys, he didn't have a single hit over three games. And prior to that, he was coming up short, too, I think, for like – Several games before that, it's tough time. So as much as I was critical, you know, of seeing what was going on, letting Bo- like go with Bogarts, maybe it was the right call. I think you can look at it in two different lights because the way I look at it and the way a lot of Sox fans look at it is they lowballed him with a contract offer in spring training of 2022. And he was open to an extension. He would have signed something fair. and they practically insulted him with that offer. And yeah. and Bogarts will tell you that he knew when that offer was made that that was that, and he, this was going to be his last year in Boston. I I do not fault, I never did fault them for not giving him $280 million like the Padres did in 11 years, like you said. It's just not good business. Even if he's your franchise guy, if someone's going to pay him something like that, you know, 11 years for a guy in his 30s, that's that's tough. And yeah, he's struggled. And after a good April, he's really, really, really struggled in May. Like you said, he didn't have a hit the entire series. I don't think that the Red Sox front office was all that enthused about the future of Xander. I mean, just based off of the reporting that we got in the offseason, they just were never, they really never were aggressive about trying to bring him back. And like there were, di- there were different reports about them insulting Xander during negotiations. I just don't really think that there was a desire on the Red Sox part to bring him back. And it was obviously very different with Devers, you know, a guy who's oh, yeah. you know, 26 and he's special with the bat, hits the ball as hard as anyone in the league, stuff like that translates into, into the mid thirties. And, you know, his defense has gotten a lot better this year. I, I, they were a lot more confident and a lot more aggressive with him than they were with Xander. And I don't think anyone would tell you even at the time that that would that that was a mistake because we all I think 
we all knew that Devers was the superior player. And like, obviously with age, it just makes the decision that much easier if you have to pick one. I think a lot, I think Red Sox fans wish that we didn't have to pick just one. I mean, they yeah. had three franchise guys with Mookie, Xander, and Devers. And now it's all said and done. They've all gotten their long-term deals. And only one of them was with the Red Sox. I I think a lot of Red Sox would have understood if you couldn't keep all three, but I think people would have thought that you could keep two. And yeah. <laughs> maybe the other one should have been Mookie Betts. I believe anybody would say that because Mookie, while he's maintained his credibility as a great player, I think there's a certain enthusiasm with the persona that he gives. Right now, we in Tampa, we got Randy Rosarina. There's there's an excitement with him with Jose Siri. There's an excitement with him, and I think Mookie bets wherever they, he goes, there's going to be that excitement, and it's something he communicates with fandom, with with everybody that's in the stands that day, and it goes beyond actual performance on the field. So that was to me, that was one of the reasons I, as much as any, I hate to see him go from the Red Sox. I thought that's a lot of vitality to go out the door. So, but yeah. you guys are looking good. I mean, tell me something else. What, what's the future like? What's your farm system saying? What's that telling you? Anything there that you're seeing on the horizon? Yeah. I mean, the farm, you know, particularly compared to where it was three and four years ago, it's, it's a lot better. We had thought that there would be a little bit more pitching depth in the upper minors this year. They've got Brian Mata, Brandon Walter, and Chris Murphy up there, who we I think a lot of Red Sox fans thought would take that next step this year, but they all three of them have struggled. The up-and-coming pitcher to watch in the Red Sox system is Shane Drohan. He started the season in double A and I think through I think he had like just six starts there this year. He was so dominant. They let him they called him up to AAA and he's he he made one start there and it was it was up and down, but I he's a guy to watch because he he's some someone that the Red Sox are pretty high on right now. He's at this point kind of cemented himself as the top pitching prospect in the organization. But yeah, the same olds are same old. Like Marcelo Meyer is killing it in single A. He's looking at a mid maybe maybe even early summer promotion to double A Portland. They've got Miguel Blaise, who's injured at the moment, but he's he's playing in the States for the first time this year. Uh, he's a long ways away, but the Red Sox are really high on him. Like He could be that five-tool talent that comes up in, with his swagger shocks, shocks Major League Baseball, but that, that's a ways away. Um, and then they've got, they got Sadon Rafaela, who is fantastic defensively. He's playing in double-A right now. He could look at a at a call up to AAA at some point during the summer if his if his bat comes along a little bit more. He's one of those defense first guys. He plays a Gold Glove caliber center fielder. They, a lot of people think he would be that if called up today. It's just his bat isn't ready. Still up and down. I think a lot of people are higher on him than I am, but I'm I'm willing to be open about it. I mean, guys' bats develop at different paces. I mean, if that develops into anything, then then he is someone to watch. And then. I guess the last guys I'll, I'll touch up on are the, are the guys they got for Christian Vasquez uh, this past midseason. That trade is, I mean, it looks to be a win-win for both teams. You know, the Astros get their World Series out of it. Christian Vasquez catches a no-hitter in that World Series. But the Red Sox get two good prospects out of it. And Manuel Valdez has has come up to the bigs this year, and he's looked really good. He hit a three-run homer to practically win the Red Sox a game in this series. And then... You've got Willier Abreu, who's 
looked really, really good in, in AAA so far. Uh, he's on the 40-man roster this year. The Red Sox protected him from the Rule 5 draft, and he is he's looking really, really good in AAA. I don't know if he's like going to be like a top 100 prospect type guy, but they've got two guys there who show that they are big league caliber players at some point in their careers. And the front office has made their fair share of mistakes, but getting two big league caliber guys who with no experience, so you get the full six years, to get those for a half a year of Christian Vasquez is pretty impressive. Well, let me let me go back to the main club for a moment. And again, looking at the IL, I know Christian Royal right now, he's out for a bit. Uh, you'll see Yu Chang. And I think Justin Turner as well, or is he back yet? What's going on with he, Justin? I think they, they've said he's probably going to be back today. They said maybe Sunday or Monday, so hoping for tonight. Well, and as you were on ever seen a moment ago, the guys that you have in your lineup this past few days, I mean, they've been strong. You know, it, and I want to ask you about Yoshida. Tell me a little bit more about him. Oh, he's been he's been everything advertised him more. I mean, the guy literally doesn't swing and miss. He rarely strikes out. He he walks a ton. Hits he's hitting 300 with a mid-high 800s OPS. He he bats in the middle of that lineup and gives the he's basically hit second this year. They swapped him and Devers. They originally had Devers to Yoshida fourth. But Yoshida's really capable of doing anything with the bat. I mean, he's a, he's a small guy, but don't sleep on his power. I mean, he he had that game in Milwaukee where he hit two homers in the same inning, one of them being a grand slam. When he's when he's hot, he is crazy hot. And they're really outside of maybe like the first week of his big league career, maybe first two weeks, like he doesn't really go cold. Like <laughs> cold, cold Yoshida is still getting on base at least once a day, maybe twice. It's like he's walking and it's like, oh, you, you think he hasn't really done much, but he's actually one for three and walked. So he's his defense isn't going to light the world on fire, but that's why you play him in left field with the small left field with the monster there. He's learning how to play that well. The bat is there. And yeah, the guy, he's kind of a fan favorite here at this point. I can appreciate that. I mean, you know, with the new, he's this is his first year. I mean, it was, I'm always questioning, okay, because he's an international, right? They, they, as far as bringing him in, an international signing. And I'm always concerned. Well, I said, is this somebody that, is going to be comfortable in a whole new environment, a whole new league, if you will. And he obviously has done well with it. I've seen others who have it. So I'm really glad to see him doing so well with you guys. And I love what you said about getting on base because some of my favorite players, that is key. Again, forgive me for reflecting back on the Rays, but look at a Yandy Diaz. Yandy oh, Diaz. So good. <laughs> There's a reason that he's usually first in the lineup. And one, he's going to get on base. You know, two, he can make a pitcher work for it. It, it may in the second up at bat may have the pitcher at seven, eight, nine, ten. He may be coming up with the tenth pitch for the the batter that's coming up. He, Yandy may have done that. Brandon Lau, uh, he was really suffering for several games, and a lot of us questioned what was going to happen with him. But he's coming through now, and you find players like that who get on base, whether it be for a walk but also can wear a pitcher out. And That's I don't exactly it. That is exactly it. Wearing pitchers out is what makes the tough teams tough. That's what's made the race tough this year. And that's the difference between 
last year's Red Sox team, which struck out a lot, had a lot of quick at bats, a lot of left on base. You'd get guys, get a couple guys on base, start an inning, and then you'd see three straight strikeouts. This year's team, they grind pitchers out. You get ace caliber pitchers, all star pitchers who aren't making it beyond the fifth inning <laughs> because they're throwing 25, 30 pitches in the first inning. We've seen it a bunch of times, you know. The Sox pitching has held them back a little bit, but the offense grinding out starters like that has been something we've seen from from the beginning of April till now. And I think you you could agree with this. I think the best teams that we've seen over the last I mean, probably in our entire lives watching baseball are the teams that are just a pain in the ass. Patient swing it. At not just strikes, but their but their pitches. Don't just look for a pitch that's in the zone to swing at. You you wait for your pitch. Yeah, and you don't chase. If you don't chase, you make guys throw you pitches to hit, and that's something that I've been really happy to see with the Red Sox this year. All of the best Red Sox teams in my lifetime have done that, and the worst ones haven't. It's it's pretty consistent. Wow. Well, I, I wish you continued success with that, your Red Sox and. Still looking at that West Coast venture that you are having right now. Let's see, you're coming up, the Angels, and then the Diamondbacks. Any insights, anything you want to offer is what you see uh, that will happen during those two series? Well, with the Angels, they're missing Otani and Sandoval. So they're getting the three back arms in their rotation. So they, they lucked out there and only one lefty. Uh, I definitely feel better about the Red Sox lineup when they're facing righties. You know, guys like Tristan Casas, Jaron Duran. Much, much better with right-handers on the mound. A little, little nervous about Arizona. They are, they're a pesky team. Oh yeah, they are, they are good. And I, it's people have not given them their due yet. Maybe it's because they're on the West Coast. I don't know, but they're twenty-seven and twenty, and I feel like nobody knows or talks about it. And they should, because that's a, that's a damn good team. And coming into the year, you know, Corbin Carroll coming up, like they, they released. Madison Bumgarner, like they, <laughs> they told him to go home and it's worked out. Like they're, they're a team, they're a fighting team. They are good. So that's going to be, that's going to be a test because I feel like they're kind of similar to the Sox in that sense. They're not necessarily the most talented team in the world, but they'll, but they'll fight you and we'll see, we'll see how that one goes. I'm excited for that one this coming weekend. Yeah, this should be exciting. I want to make one more parallel. I think this is something you tweeted recently. And I think it was between John Smoltz and Corey Kluber. Because what brought that in my mind, you said the word release, and my mind went straight to Corey Kluber. Tell us about your comparison between those two pitchers. Yeah. So in 2009, John Smoltz was recovering from surgery, and the Red Sox picked him up to rehab him, You know, try to figure out how to get him on the mound in the middle of the summer and hope that you can squeeze a little bit of juice out of him at the very end of his career. So they did it. They signed him. They rehabbed him. He came back in the middle of the summer and he got eight starts. And I believe the ERA was 8.33. And uh, Theo Epstein flew out to the to wherever the Red Sox were on the road to to personally, you know, face to face, you know, give John Smoltz his respect. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher, yeah. Cy Young Award winner. But like, you're not, if you're not going to help the team, like we just have to do what we have to do. And so they yeah, they released they DFA'd him and eventually released him. Corey Kluber has now made nine starts for the Red Sox. He's got his year, I believe, is six two six. It's somewhere around there if it's not exactly that. And to be honest with you, it should be higher because he let in five runs yesterday. 
only one of them was earned, but you know, watching the game, like they were all on him. They were only unearned because of an error that he made. So, oh, oh, oh. so it's six two six should be higher. It's nine starts at this point. The velocity is not there. The location's not there. There's really not much reason to believe that he's going to improve. So yeah, I just he's gotten one more start than Smoltz. It looks like he's about to get two more than Smoltz, but we'll see how long it lasts. I mean, you could always do the fake IL stint. You know, the Phantom IL, you just put him on the shelf for a little bit, see what you got. And then, you know, in three weeks, if if you like what the rotation's given you at that point, you can DFA the guy. But maybe you just go right in and, and, and DFA him anyway. You don't even have to fake IL him. It's just I feel like they, they gave him $10 million and it's been less than two months. Yeah. So they're they're afraid. And like he's it's not he's not like he's just any guy. I mean, this is a two time Cy Young Award winner, really well respected guy and a, and a good guy. He's a really good dude and he wants to be good but it's just he's been through the ringer in terms of injuries he's 37 he's just he's at the end of his road i mean we'll see how much time he's got left but yeah i i see a lot of parallels with the experience with the Corey kluber experience to the john smoltz experience well that like any player i hope they can find their way and they control you know which he wouldn't have been a Cy young award winner he did if he didn't achieve a lot in the past Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, he was, we, we watched him for years. He was flat out untouchable. You, you face Corey Kluber, you're taking the loss that day. And it's tough because like, you don't want, like, this isn't me and Red Sox fans, like rooting for a guy to lose his job. Like that's, it's, they, we just want to see the team win. And, you know, and this, it's a cutthroat business. And if you're not getting the job done, usually in this league, you don't have a job. Well, I am glad to see one pitcher who is aging, who's doing so well, and that's Chris Sale. And to me, it's it's a wonder to watch when that man is on his game. And he certainly seems to have been like that this past week. Yeah. I mean, he he had, you know, three or four starts to open the year where it really didn't look like we were going to see the Chris Sale of old ever. And a lot of people were talking about, you know, throwing him in the bullpen. Yep. But for the last month, maybe more at this point, he has looked like the Chris Sale of old, and they're they're treating him like like he's the ace. I mean, they threw him out for the seventh inning, beginning the inning at ninety eight pitches, and he went one two three. He got the first out on on six pitches, and they let him stay in for the righties because the yeah the first guy in the inning was a lefty. He got him out, had one hundred four pitches, and they they just let him keep going against the righties, and he he got them both out and. Finishes the day with 111 pitches, goes seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. The two runs were just solo homers. I mean, that's just, I feel like that's going to be the damage on sale is the long ball. But I mean, the strikeouts have been there. He's been getting like eight to 10 strikeouts seemingly every time he goes out there. He's looked, he's looked like the Chris Sale of old. Like, we'll see how long it can hold up because... You know, who knows? He's he's 34 and he's had injury history. So we'll see if his body can hold up. And if his body does hold up, we'll see if his arm can hold up through a full season. Because even even at Chris Sale's peak, he would fade down the stretch and he has not had his best innings in September and October. So we'll see. But I mean, to be honest with you, I think a lot of Red Sox fans would have told you we'll take it just to even have him on the mound because (laughs) we just haven't had it last three seasons. Twenty. Got Tommy John and missed 2020 and half of 2021. Actually, probably more than half of 2021. And then in 2022, 
uh, breaks the rib before the season, comes back, takes the line drive off the hand at Yankee Stadium, and then falls off his bike and and hurts his other hand. Like it was, it's unbelievable. It's like he's on the mound. It's incredible that he's not only on the mound but he's succeeding too. And it and you can tell, like just how happy it makes him. He definitely has a greater appreciation for just being out there. You know, he comes out of the start the other day and he's all smiles. And you know, Chris Sale in the past, like. It's just business, you know. He's just doing his job, but now, now he has an appreciation for where he's at, and it's cool to see. Well, I, I enjoy watching him as well. The vitality this year, what he's able to achieve. But I was actually surprised when I saw that Cora let him pitch one hundred and eleven pitches. <laughs> I mean, he was on fire. Don't get me wrong, but I would want to protect that arm. I would, I would have probably pulled him and been uh, booed by. <laughs> Boston Red Sox everywhere if I was the manager, but geez, I wonder, but I want to protect that golden arm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's been over a hundred pitches, two straight starts. I think he had like maybe one Oh eight the start before. And I know they've got an extra off day. So he's going to get an extra day of rest in between these starts okay. and they'll temporarily go with a six man rotation before they figure out who they're uh, banishing to the bullpen or potentially, you know, Phantom IL or DFA if it's Corey Kluber. Um, so he'll get his rest. I, I think that's the thinking behind it, but it's still pretty crazy to see because I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous seeing him out there throwing over a hundred pitches after, after what we've seen injury wise yeah. from him in the past. Well, I hope, like I said, I hope he continues to be able to perform. I just hope that they manage that arm yeah. because I, it's one of my bugaboos as far as taking care of the health of players. And I'm just feel like I'm seeing way too many Tommy John surgeries, way too much, you know, downtime for pitchers on the IL. And I think, again, I think, you and I both have said this, that it's the demand for speed, you know, and I, I still question whether or not the pitch clock has made the whole operation part of the issue that for their health, that they don't have the time for a pause, you know, that, I don't know. May I'm, let's. I'll put that to the side. I'll just ask you real quickly. Do you feel like the pitch clock has had any impact on the pitcher's health? I, I actually do. I agree with you on that. I I think it's no surprise. I mean, pitcher injuries seem to increase every year, but I I feel like it's no surprise this year. These guys, I mean, they throw upper nineties, and there's a reason they would take a long time to you know get themselves back. You gotta you gotta regenerate that energy. Yeah. And you see these guys, you know, if they're in a jam and they have to throw 30 pitches in an inning and they're trying to hit 96, 97, 98 on the gun every time, 30 times in an inning separated by what depend, depend. Some of these guys go even quicker than the pitch clock. So they're, they're separating <laughs> these, these throws by like 10, 15 seconds. And it, I mean, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a savant to, to know that doing that with your arm that quickly. And that powerfully is going to do some damage. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm really not surprised at all. I, I really don't know what you do about it, but it, yeah, it's tough to see because it, it doesn't feel like it's going to stop. Well, I hope all your guys stay healthy this year. I can tell you that it's been exciting, and I know they're doing great right now as far as climbing out of. You put them in any other division, they would absolutely rise above everything. And I know that the balanced schedule gives everybody a chance to see them too this year. But I think the Red Sox, as we were just talking about some of the players and what they're able to achieve, it's – you guys are there. Just a few more wins. 
Yankees that were there at the basement a couple of weeks ago. Then, <laughs> then the Rays gave them a couple of games and a few others. So it's very fickle, and it's still early this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, there are, this division, every team in this division is is damn good. And yeah, the balanced schedule, I, it just gives them an opportunity to be even better because we're we're facing each other less. Yeah. Yeah, wake up world. Here they are, the ALE guest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I'm I'm counting my blessings. We've already faced Baltimore twice, so we only have to face them twice more the rest of the season. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like we, it felt like we used to see these guys and you guys and the Jays and the Yankees like every every other day we're playing yep. an AL East team. But this year, it's not like that. It, it really, I really do think that every team in this division is going to finish above 500. Well, I'm looking forward to the, all of it. Well, one last word I want to make sure to. So you cover everything with what you're doing online. And once again, share with us your handle on Twitter. Yeah, so you can follow me. Uh, I'm Boston Sports Gordo on Twitter, and the ad is BOS Sports Gordo. Okay. Yeah, no, because right now I know you cover everything, including the Celtics, and this has got to be a hard week for you and a lot of Celtics fans. Yeah. I mean, they're just getting throttled out there by the heat. They're down 0-3 right now as we're as we're talking about this. And I don't I don't think there's really any hope to get this thing back to Boston for a game five. I hope I'm wrong, but just based off of I mean the heat just deep in their heads. It's it's tough to watch because I mean usually you know you see guys you know, taunt Al Horford and that's the end of them. And and the Celtics come back and kill you for that. But this time around, it was the other way around. Grant Williams taunts Jimmy Butler. And, and that was that for the Celtics. They came, they came out firing the rest of game two and then killed him in game three. And Jimmy Butler's taunting Al Horford and there's nothing the Celtics can do about it. Well, I tell you what, man, I know you're, like I said, you have it all going on, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, basketball, and of course, baseball. Did I say it twice? <laughs> um, but I, again, I want to thank you again for joining us here today, Nat. Any other final thoughts that you want to share with our audience? No, I'm just excited to see you know the Sox on the West Coast, and you know at some point again we'll we'll face you guys, and hopefully that, that will will fare better than we did last time. Because well, was that four games? Was that a four game sweep? I think it was four game sweep. It was against the Rays. That was that was a low point for the Sox because that was right after they lost Duvall. That was right when it felt like the season was kind of slipping away in in April. But yeah, I'm excited to see that matchup again. The Rays are an insanely tough team to face in the trop, but I'm excited for that in the future. It'll be fun. Hey, I'll be headed up there to Boston in a few weeks, and thanks for the, the heads up on a few things I can do while I'm up there to see that game where the Rays and the, or one of them anyway, where the Rays are playing with the Red Sox. So it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, thanks again, buddy, for being here today on Baseball Biz on Deck. So thanks again, my friend, for being here and look forward to talking with you again real soon. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. All righty.